Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. This is Series 6. It's Episode 43, which I think means one to go in 2021. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you. And Hutchie, I want to start today by giving some uh, of my sympathy and support for a man who's been under siege in the past few days. No, probably not the one you're thinking of as I talk right now. Sunrise Weekend host, Matt Doran. I, like Matt Doran, could think of 423,626 things I'd rather do than listen to an Adele album. And he, he's copying it. He's copying it, Hutchie, yeah. for not listening to it. But the point of difference, Damo, and hello to you and to all of our sounding board fraternity, is that it was his job to listen Yes, yeah. it's a big difference. And I probably would have listened to it had so, I been about to interview Adele, but seriously, scene, Hutchie, He's flown to London, part of the Channel 7 $1 million check, reported $1 million check. Which is interesting in itself, and we'll get to that part of this, uh, this story in a moment. Yeah, and sat down with uh, Adele, which was going to be a massive Channel 7 promotional interview. I think it was going to wear on the weekend just gone or around this time and got to the latter stage of the interview by all reports, Hutchie. Adele realised he hadn't listened to the album, which she's promoting and releasing. Asked him, had he? And he said no. So they yanked, they used the power of veto, which is in those deals, but very rarely exercised, I'd assume. It's one of those clauses that people agree to thinking that'll never mean anything. But this is where it's interesting because Channel 7, by the all reports, Archie, has paid for the access to a person promoting something, which it I think pa- it was packaged well. into the TV special. So it was the right. steak knives. Okay. But a pretty important part of the steak knives. There's money attached. I wouldn't claim to know anywhere near what the amount is, but it seems with all the reports that there was money attached to Channel 7 getting access. But then on top of that, the promotional arm of Adele's record label then had the right to actually pull the interview if it wasn't yep. happy with the end product, which I find staggering if you're going to pay for it and then still be beholden to someone else's views on it of a favourable nature. Yeah, that veto clause, I assume, sits in most of those deals and is very rarely exercised and people sign up to it because they think, oh, this will never happen. A few questions for me. So did they send a producer with Matt? I'm only just reading the bits and pieces on my Twitter feed. And Good question. And if, if not, why not? And if so, what was their role in making sure the host, like the talent was briefed. I know you've got to take responsibility. I for think you've got to take responsibility. Oh, I, don't, I, don't. I, I think you have to. If you're going to interview someone, I think you need to know everything, including the latest part about them. And the missed the email defence. How do you think that that flew? Like that was... Oh, it was plausible. No, I bought it. Plausible. Bought it. Yes, it was plausible. You, you're actually buying the crazy that I don't the, mind the, his the email got that. sent exactly at the time he was in the air yep. and he missed it. And, oh, hang on. Oh, oh. How long do you often repl- take to reply to an email, Hutchie? I've had that many people ask me over the journey, can you just tell Hutchie I've got an email, I sent it on 4.44 on Thursday last week and he hasn't responded. You don't get to a lot of your emails. I can imagine you, that's that's understandable. If you had a singular focus, right, though, if you were flying to London yeah, to interview point. Adele, who is back after six years <laughs> with a new album, that is the reason you are interviewing, yep. the reason you've been given access. It's not because Adele's got a book out. Or Adele's switching careers. The interview was based upon the new album. Yeah, and and as often is the case with Adele, there's there's meanings in the songs that she yep. sings that I choose not to listen to. You you wouldn't be an Adele listener either, would you, Hutchie? I watched the special on Sunday night on. I think everyone had a special, didn't they? So I watched the one on nine. I reckon it was. Is that the Oprah one? Which was the no, the one at. Uh, at, at oh, this, uh, is, this was an old in, one, though, wasn't it? No, I watched the one in Los Angeles outside on the 
Oh. Up on the uh, mountain, beautiful backdrop of Los Angeles, Damo. Oh. You would have loved it. Okay. What, the Griffiths University, yes, was it? Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. Yeah, or the bowl, was it? Or- and there was an interview with Oprah packaged inside of that. So it had okay. been pretty well orchestrated TV campaign. In fairness to Matt, he put his hand up and he went with the email defence. <laughs> now, I get your point that it's half sellable. I'm not... No, no, it. it's, it's very plausible, that defence. But he's got to have a laugh at himself now. The only way out of this... <laughs> is to double down on mocking yourself for a good year, and people will move on. In fact, it'll become endearing. By January, it'll be endearing if he plays it well. Could he actually say that he had no interest in listening to the sort of music that she sings? No. Like I don't. He's I have got, no interest. He's got to play up to it. I'd be doing things like, um, I don't know, when you ring the boss next, you've got to say, hello, it's me. <laughs> you know, you just got to lean in on the humour side of your muck-up, because if you, do, if you try and make it go away, I didn't make a blue here. No one's going to give you another chance. But humour's his best way out, I think. <laughs> um, how many times would you, Hutchie, have What do you been, think about that? Oh, yeah. I, but he doesn't have the luxury, really, does he? Because he, he's, a, he's a straight person when it comes to the presentation of that Sunrise program on the weekend. I, I don't watch the weekend um, TV shows, but he can't be too flippant about it. It's a, it's. I, I, he's got no choice from here because he's got, like, you're not getting a junket for the next five years. <laughs> like, and like the junket... It, the junket in itself, you are complicit in the promotion. Like your journalistic credibility really gets left at Tullamarine Airport on the junkets. We've talked about it before. From the time he gets on board QF and he, and he turns left rather than right because it's been funded by the network. <laughs> That's all part of it. He's really working for Adele from that point on. And he's not working for Channel 7 until he lands again. So, you know, if you, if you squander your junket opportunity, it's a long road back, I think. <laughs> Because they're queued up to do the junkets, aren't they? Like they everyone wants the junket. Well, the footy show, in, in the glory days of the footy show, Hutchie, before it got a bit uh, messy at the end, the, the way out for it would have been to totally lampoon itself over it. Was, it. Do a parody song. Do, do a parody song. Yeah. Yeah. Hello from the other I'd side. Cross my mind too. Yeah. yeah. Could he do that? He could, absolutely. Dress up? He should probably do it. At the, he probably should start with a soft... Uh, landing like maybe the Channel Seven Christmas tape. You know the networks <laughs> have the Christmas tapes with all the mistakes. Just do that. They're getting a bit I... harder to do in the modern era, but I think that would be his go. He'd just, if he sang "Hello from the Other Side" at the Channel Seven Christmas tape live, or got up at the Christmas party, then you, even you'd even crack a smile from Kerry. He'd probably roll in for half an hour for a scotch, and then he'd be go, "What about that bloke doing that? Doing the hello from the other side of the Christmas party?" And then he's away. He's away. He, then humans, he's only. And way then, you, then you deliberately leak that from the Channel Seven Christmas party to yeah. other outlets who would embrace it as well. And then spotted that would go quote viral. <laughs> spotted, you know the gossip comms. Spotted Matt Moran yeah. parodying himself at the Channel Seven. Ah, he's not a bad bloke. He can have a laugh at himself. That's the way out for you, Matt. Anyway, that's my two bobs worth. How many times would you have entered an arrangement along those lines, Hutchie, over your? Uh, We've talked about it quite career. a bit. Yeah, but they, they, these are different. They, they're yep. straight promos. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I. I can tell you a couple of times I've been thoroughly underprepared, like Matt. Yep. And you know, with different different consequences. I think I touched on it once before here, but I was asked by a great business to appear at their conference in what I thought was a and A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll up, take your money, and just no, answer no. a few questions from the MC. No, there was no no cash involved. Oh, of course there was. It was a, a wonderful business who had asked me to do. Um, to, to, to appear. appear. Yeah. yeah, and I said, no problem, I'm happy to help you out. This is before you you were big too, wasn't it? No, no. This is before you made a real national don't, name. Don't this, be silly. I think this is a story about 15 years ago. No, it's about... It was, in, it was in Adelaide from memory? It's only about five years ago. It no, was, no, it was it, longer than that. You it, told me about 15 years ago. It wasn't in Adelaide. But I, I turned up thinking I was doing a question and answer at 11 a.m. I thought it was going to be a room of like 30 people as I sit down at a table, maybe a few coffee scrolls. So, a, a coffee. So, so no prep. 
So I thought you know, most of this can be winged. Yeah, you haven't listened to the Adele album in preparation for the Adele interview. And I walked in, opened the door, and there was an auditorium of, call it 500 people in suits, all seated attentively. And I looked up at the at the stage, and it had guest speakers today. Keynote. Ida Butros. <laughs> And yours truly. In that order? And I walked in. So you're following Ita. I'm following Ita. And I've walked in just at the intro where they said, joining us now on stage is one of Australia's most influential media figures and businesswomen, an OBE, the original founder of Clio, first ever youngest editor of the weekly. Probably the biggest journalistic Jimmy name Barnes. when I was growing up, Hutchie, in the 70s and 80s. There's no, and, and still massive now, running the ABC. She's one of the most reputed speakers in the Southern Hemisphere. She even appeared in a song, Cold Chisel and Jimmy Barnes wrote about her influence on Australian society. Put your hands together for the greats. Ida Buttrose, OBE. And Ida gets up and does 45 minutes. And her first, the greatest. Line, her first line was, when I started preparing for this speech three weeks ago. Yeah. No, she, she rolls out the best prepared, most eloquent. Well, she's a beautiful speaker. Even the pauses were magnificent. Like, it was just... Palm of your hands. So what are you stuff. doing? You're starting to get nervous. I'm in row three. Clammy hands, <laughs> heating up, sweating. I'm in row three, yeah. trying to make notes on the back of a napkin. I've got to pull together. You do everywhere you go. I've got to pull together a keynote in 45. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was sweat was coming out of my brow. Did you get away with it? I don't think so. No, but, but I've, I've seen you host functions where you've had a minute's notice. <laughs> There was a standing ovation for Ida at the end. That was Ida. And then even the intro next. Well, joining us next is this guy who's done a bit of... What's he done? Used to be a footy reporter or something. Anyway. You dragged me. One of those early trips to your catch. Humour was the only way through, Damien. You've got to make fun of yourself going after Ida. You, you, you dragged me along, Hutchie. I'm oh, sorry. The worst part of that? I thought this couldn't get any worse. I'm just about to start this flimsy attempt at following Ida. Yeah. And unlike most speakers who uh, collect... Check and gone. <laughs> yeah. I just sits down <laughs> yeah. in row two <laughs> and sits up and look at you <laughs> to, to pay respect to the rest of the speakers. <laughs> she thinks he's got a lot of trouble here. <laughs> I'm going to hang around <laughs> and pay him the courtesy of listening to his. And I see her face in row two, having just smashed it, and I think, oh no. I would, I would love for that t- that speech to be on tape. <laughs> we get a whole episode out of that it's speech. It's like the Mike Moore episode of The Late Show. Remember when the, he went on the comedy debate and someone had written all these jokes before him? And he, he just had to keep scratching out the jokes that were left to tell. That was me. And the you, other you, one, you are good on your feet, though, Hutchie. You, you, one of those early trips we had to New York, um, one of your friends over there had asked you to um, basically roll up at short notice to... Was it some? It was a selling event. It was a. Was it makeup or aftershave or perfume? Tiffany. Yeah, and you said come along for the ride. So we left where we were, and we went there. And then within five minutes of getting there, the place was bigger than you thought it was. It was in a private residence, I think. But a lot of people. A lot it was of in people, Tiffany. In Tiffany, yeah, and and oh, then, no, you're right. It was a private residence. Private residence, yeah. yeah. I think it was the Tiffany, the company. But um, you, you, I saw you. You were asked then at very short notice. Could you actually just uh, basically MC this intro of the room and and hear the five people you need to know? But you you had about ninety seconds prep time on that, and you you pulled it off. Not, I've seen you do it, Hutchie. Not so sure. About I've that, seen it was, you do it. it was, the other time, just quickly getting a bit self indulging. The other time that I was thoroughly unprepared was as a young producer at RSN. 1994, five, call it 2021 20, years old. So you're doing the Kevin Butler Producing show? KB in the yep. dock and used to try and hustle for guests like most young producers do. And, and used to sleep under the desk, under yep. the produce, production desk, desk having not been home. And the tw- the eight, it was the 
the equivalent of the AT&T Pebble Beach. Pro-Am. Celebrity or Pro-Am. Yeah, okay. And so all the celebrities were there playing. You know, I remember Kevin Costner, Bryant Gumbel, just a whole bunch of kind of random celebrities. And I was ringing the hotel rooms demo trying to get one on the show. And I'd ring celebrity room and it wouldn't ring out. In those days, you could ring the, you could ring the hotel and they'd put you through to the room if you knew the name of the... So I finally, I rang a couple and they hung up on me. And I finally got through to Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray's hotel room, you know, the, the um, Groundhog Day... Caddyshack star, and he answered. And I said, look, it's you know, so-and-so from Melbourne. Could I get an interview with Kevin and the doctor tomorrow morning? And he said, I'll do it now. That's it. You've got two minutes, five minutes. I'll do it now, like right now. Yep. And so he goes, it's now or never. So I, I had to make the decision to go, Damo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> In those days, you had to splice the reels. Remember the reels? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know how to do it very well. Actually put them onto a yeah. device, yeah. Yep. And so I started interviewing... And logistics aren't your strong no. suit in any facet of life, so to do that would have been an ordeal. I didn't know the name of the golf tournament, how he'd performed, what his last movie was, what his <laughs> next movie was. I couldn't remember the name of uh, Caddyshack Caddy off the top of my head. <laughs> that movie with uh, Chevy Chase. And he absolutely smacked me, right? He just smacked me for five minutes about how prepared I was. Everything I asked, he, he corrected or told me I was wrong, and in the end he said, this is a joke, and hung up. And to his credit, KB said to me, no, we've got to run that. It's funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ran it at like 5.45 or 5.50 the next morning thinking no one would hear it. And, and I thought I got away with it because in those days it didn't go up on Twitter or podcast. No, afterwards. you, 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 had to hear you it actually could get away with it in those days. You had to hear it in real yeah. time. But I remember about two weeks later, I thought I got, got away with that horrendous interview. And I was at somewhere in footy and Greg Miller said to me. Greg Miller. I ran into Greg Miller. I remember Greg. And he yeah. Said, oh, yeah. Crazy. He said, um, the car the other day. <laughs> that is the single worst interview I've ever heard with Bill Murray. What were you thinking? I'm like, look, it's a long story. Anyway. Remember you could um you could actually ring celebrities like that, Hutchie, yep. when they flew into town. Like with the tennis open, you could actually just re- – you found out where they were staying. I, I got Andre, Andre Agassi on the phone just through the, the old cold call landline one. Um, Marit Safin, that one called – They'd give you quotes for the paper, wouldn't they? Well, you just yeah. said you who you were from, and they'd give you. Sometimes you'd get five or ten minutes. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Although the Merritt Saffron one blew up um, because- Remind me that story, because I remember you wrote that. Well, it wasn't- I didn't think I was doing the wrong thing, but I sort of would breeze in to do the tennis, unlike the tennis beat writers, and didn't- know Is there, there a, a gap in the Sheffield Shield calendar around that time? No, it, was, it went into recess over then, Hutchie, but you're always ready for the January- It was a great what, event to cover. The, uh, the tennis? The tennis open, yeah. That was a great event to it was, cover. It's a bit- um, that, that was- for a, a, yeah, from a twenty-year-old or whatever it was, I was from those eras, uh, era, um, twenty-one, twenty, well, younger, twenty at one stage, I reckon, doing yeah. the tennis. It was great. You know what the the tennis is? The tennis is a rolling roadshow of journalists who are all kind of in the whack up on the thing. Yeah. It used to be. Yep. And if you came in as a fly by nighter trying to pull news out of it, you were you were seen as yeah the enemy. Yeah, you were. You were like, this is not how we do things on the tour. You know, like if you came in and trying to. Find an angle and land a yarn, and then leave the debris for the beat yep. writers. Yeah, do they get dirty on you? Wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, there was, and um, and even on this occasion, um, so the the Kuyong Classic, as it was called at one stage, and I think it was called that this particular year, they'd play as a lead up event before the Aussie Open, which um, all the big names would go to it in a, in a, effectively an exhibition round yep. robin match, and. Um, I remember putting the official well, request in. down a bit there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I put the official request in for Marit Safin, who was massive, as you know, at the time, and um, and then was not getting anywhere with the official organiser, so I'll just try him the old-fashioned way on the phone in his hotel and 
got him and he gave me a few quotes anyway. But he then told the organisers oh, yeah. of the Kuyong Classic and did, it, did all hell break loose. And pull your accreditation and all that stuff. Oh, I don't yeah. think they've got that serious, but it, I, I didn't think I'd done anything wrong and I still don't, but it just made you aware that there was a whole little industry within itself that looked after it. And, and I don't have an issue with that because I've been part of other industries which do have similar practices. So on that, you've been a beat writer, as we know, for the Sheffield Shield and uh, you know, you're a major reason for its standing success that's gone on to become after the coverage you gave it for all those years. You used to, you used to go to Perth for about seven days for a Shield game. Shield You'd game. have to get in there a day early, of course, you, and then you couldn't leave on that night because you were writing copies. Just think about the resource attached to covering a, a Shield game. As a beat writer, as you were, did you, did you used to get protective of your patch? No, no I was too young like to worry people, about it. If people crashed in and had tried to, tried to do a yarn on, on you? No. I, that, was no. How I, that was how I first became... Well, that's how... So hated at the Herald Sun. Because you didn't get on with my Mick Horan, who was a, a mate of mine, and who had the beat there for a little while. And no, you, I, got, I got along with Mick. He just didn't get on with really you. get along with me. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mick. The, he didn't like you. Towards the end, I don't think he did, no. No, he didn't. I don't think it even at the start. That's the thing about it. Yeah, okay. Well, Because <laughs> you tried to knock his door down at the beat. Is that what happened or, or not? No, I just didn't know the protocols really... Or, or or cared for them. Or probably cared for them, I that's, guess. That's, yeah. yeah. I didn't know there was an old, you know, if you were the Sheffield Shield writer, you no one else could write about the Shield. I thought <laughs> a story is a story, right? Well, that's, you had a story, you'd go what, for it. It's certainly the way it is now, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and then if someone went away for two weeks, I just always saw that as an opportunity to, to write about their patch because they were away. <laughs> so they'd come back and he'd written five stories and <laughs> left a bit of debris in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> to breathe and looking back, I can understand why they had some issues with it. But at the time, I just thought, oh, well, there's no one writing soccer. Like Peter DeZero went away for a month. Okay, I'll write some soccer. Peter DeZero. <laughs> on 519. On 519. <laughs> that was his extension. Yeah, 9292 <laughs> Beautiful man, Peter. Great gentleman. We used to answer the phone that way. 9292 <laughs> That's what you, When the phone rang, you'd answer, you'd answer it with the number that you're answering on. No, he wouldn't. No, no you did. He just people used to ring for him all the time because they he, did. Was, he was so loved among yeah. the football fraternity, and he they would always forget he, on the subjects forget his number, so they'd have to yell out, "Hey, call!" And he would yell back, "One five one nine." That's how I remember his extent. Hearing him yell it across the room every ten times a day. Was how I remember his extent. He was a, so he went away for a month and wrote about soccer. And uh, you didn't write soccer, did you? I did write soccer for a month. Yeah. You didn't remember that step bloke, that guy's name, when you were doing him on live TV and you interviewed poor, him poor into Pete. the Channel Ten <laughs> Sports Bulletin <laughs> and, he, and introduced him as someone who he wasn't. Who was that? Uh, it was Robbie Innes, and I thought it was Robbie Slater. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> no, Pete went away for a month and he came back and I'd, I'd set up a Super League war in soccer. <laughs> 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 he was understandably ropeable. I had a breakaway league. <laughs> he spent all this time. Cultivating these magnificent relationships, done a great job, and you came back and I had the sport at war with each other every day in the paper. I'm speaking of soccer. Encouraged by the subs, too. There's an article that I read last night. an article I read last night, Archie. You might as well start there now. Um, so, Peter, I'm really sorry. I never really apologise for that. A League Sour Grapes for News Corp. Um, this is a, an article written by Kieran Francis. Fox Sports completely ignores A League first round after losing broadcast rights. Fox Sports and News Corp has chosen to completely ignore the A-League men's competition on some of their platforms. In the first season, they don't have broadcast rights for the league. Now, I, I can't verify that story. Archie's been written. I take it at absolute face value. But would that happen? Would an organisation lose broadcast rights and then just totally snub it? Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, would. I'm not saying it has in this instance. I, I, I couldn't vouch for that because I don't follow it myself. So I'm not reading it, not seeking I'll, it. But, I was actually only thinking But it about, wouldn't surprise me if they did, I that organisation anyway. I haven't seen that. But I was just thinking about it on the weekend. I was reading the, I read it was a Saturday Herald Sun, and there was a tremendous two-page Foxtel guide to the weekend sport. And it had, I don't know if you saw it, it had every every game that was on television. It was all Foxtel. Yep. Yep. It was Foxtel's ultimate guide to the weekend. And it had like, you know, name English soccer match, six paragraph preview, time it goes on, and where you watch on Fox. Right? It was a two-page spread. And it was like content. It wasn't uh, an ad. And, I, and it was really well curated. I remember thinking, Gee, I always want, like, I never work out what time anything's on on the weekend. And this was just bang on on where you wanted to go and how you wanted to get your way through the weekend. Yeah. And I was thinking, if I were the media owner and you own that asset and the newspaper and the print asset, of course you'd tie the two together. Yeah. And of course you would. Are you ignoring everything else? Absolutely. Well, I think it's perhaps not ignoring, but if you're going to have a choice of editorial between something that you are invested in significantly or, or weren't wanted by, uh, for whatever reason, whoever's fault it was, of course you're going to put your energies into what you're invested in. They're doing a NBL page uh, in every uh, News Limited paper, which is fantastic for our sport, the NBL, and that really is in part because they've invested in the sport. So you're going to support your investment with content. It's been going on forever and a day. Oh, I, just... no, I don't think it has been going on forever and a day. You, oh. you, you always cover it, Hutchie, because, I mean, the, the rights that as they walk and appear now uh, is a relatively recent advent in, into the sports marketplace. I'm not saying there hasn't been money attached to the rights forever, because there has, but but the way they're now structured and the ownership of media, yeah. the, the, well, this is a different space now. Well, I think it's got much more aggressive, but I do think you know, you're seeing through-the-line investments from media owners who support their investments with content aligned to it. And if that has to come at the expense of something, bear in mind it's a real estate game, newspapers. So for every page you take, you take it off someone else. But it used to, it used to not be a real estate game. They used to be papers of record, and, ah, and that and that, I'm, I'm, and that I'm waiting for you to get to this. And that was what actually dominated. I was almost going to suggest we do a what papers was of record episode. The papers of record no longer exist. No, it doesn't. It is a thing of the eighties. But it did exist in our in our lifetime. There, there was still. Proud editors and sub-editors who would review it as such. And I think it's a it was a great attitude to take because once upon a time, what was in that morning's paper was the record of the event. Imagine imagine using the the um yep. the, the, the content of a newspaper in 2021 as the record of the event. Imagine the New York, the New York doing that. Times was probably the last ones to hang on to that. They they even had like clarifications from the day before's paper because it was so important that it, history would say had to be corrected. Had to be corrected. Yeah. Newspapers moved 10, 15 years ago, however long from... It was probably even longer than that, but but, but there was still the attitude that what was in it was... Look, there was even some really boring stuff you'd you'd cover because it had to be in the paper. We built six series out of this, really. It's (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about this in series one, episode one. News now is consumption-led. It is not importance-led. And what is news? (laughs) Well, news, news is what people choose to read. News is consumer-led. It's Verity scores. It's not a statement of record. It's almost what angers people the most now, though, isn't it? Because people want to be angered before they even read it. Yeah, people get, people get angry about getting angry. People, people are permanently angry. That's the, that's the world we live in in 2021. But there is no more statement of record. It's all consumer-led and the and or self, you know, what you're self-interested in. And, and in News's case, and I would be exactly the same, they're, in, they're self-interested in Foxtel. Of course they are. Yeah. But you, don't you have to cover a national competition 
Well, you can acknowledge it. I'm sure I haven't seen it. No, not, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it not in the papers. So, but I think Fox Sports would be at and FoxSports.com would be at the pointy end of leaving it out of the things. Yeah, you know, like it's a bit different. Fox Sports to say who's got the rights now? I, I don't even know. Ten and Paramount. And, okay, and, I, and who's got the NBL? Uh, Fox News, KO, ESPN. So you'll get, you'll get some News Limited love for the NBL this been, year. It's been tremendous already, I must say. In fact, I, I would say the NBL coverage is, in the new media deal has been absolutely exceeded my expectations early, been wrapped with it. And I would think the 10 Paramount coverage of A-League has been A+. They have has done... It? Oh, they've been chips in on it. I know you probably don't... No, I haven't watched it. No. Yeah, twenty two. I, mean, I can't imagine you watching it either. By the way, well, just, in fact, you, you'd be relying on someone else to have told you that because I can't imagine you well, sitting down to watch anything to do with it. So, what are you basing that on? The social, oh, the social. Where you see it on, on the little, the little yeah, fifteen second uh, think, on on Twitter, do you? I think the A League have done some nice things. I think the Ten Deal is going to be a winner. I think Paramount's. I haven't tried the product yet, but the promotion of it's been great. So you haven't seen it. Is the what keep you're up app. You've seen it on stuff. Twitter. Well, they did ads through the Melbourne Cup Carnival, and through, like they've they haven't they've had all they rolled the shows through all their project the shows like the project and like I reckon they've done a good job. Okay, they, and they've what for all of their critics ten, have always been good at that stuff, haven't they? Like the Big Bash, they did a great job of building it through the business. Well, they also were the first organisation, Hachi, to introduce high definition TV oh. to Australia oh. long before its time. We did a skip button then, on the podcast when remember, you start talking HD. Remember channel channel one was it? Uh, and and, and then, then they took it off it, and then we only got high definition about two years ago. By the way, just quickly, quick note of clarification, statement of record. <laughs> so all those people who sent angry tweets about how shambolic the staff writer's piece was last week, fair point. There's a, a lot of love for it too. It was you? very divisive. It was polarising. There was 50, maybe 60% who thought it was abhorrent. No, I'd, I'd go with, I think the 60% might have been in favour, but I tell you what, the were, 40% those, who weren't, those that liked oh, it, they, they worked, worked up. They were okay. They were pretty good with it. And For those who don't know what we're talking about, we interviewed staff writers last week, and I, I thought it worked. I think you did deep down, but upon reflection, you got your, was, your doubts. No, I was unsure at the time, but I thought I was willing to make a deal of myself for the sake of entertainment. The, but I like this one from uh, James Fitzgerald, who sent a follow-up email. He found a story... <laughs> Of Clarkson. This is funny, actually. <laughs> he found this. Because I, I hadn't, in, in the interview I did with staff writers, I said I'd never met staff writers before. And then James Fitzgerald. He said this screenshot. 30th of July, 5.30pm, <laughs> Alistair Clarkson. The club has to get out of my shadow. Sam's driving the bus, Clarko. By Damien Barrett and staff writers. See, this was a meeting I was not aware of, James. <laughs> what did the staff writers contribute to that? I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> I probably should find out retrospectively. Were there any quotes in there you're uncomfortable with? <laughs> What's a great pickup. Was that you? Because you were staff writers. You, you you exposed yourself as staff writers last week in this interview. Yeah. No, I think there was it. I remember. Did the- you do that? No, I, I remember them ringing late that night and asking if they could <laughs> sub-license the name, and I, I said, fair enough. Fair enough. But I'd forgotten about it at the time. <laughs> so we've got a, we've got a joint byline, you and I. Yep. Um, actually, I want to ask you about Tim Payne, because people will be wondering what uh, our take is. So it was an extraordinary day on Friday. Yep. Uh, your view? Uh, my view is, I don't know where to take it, Hutchie, because I, I want to tackle it from a, probably a, a post-event um, scenario in that... Some of the commentary around it being made by people at Cricket Australia, I find fine, highly hypocritical. Um, so you've got the act itself, timeline 2017, um, 
authorities made aware of the, the text message exchange between Tim Payne and the Cricket Tasmania employee in 2018. Do you think they should have stood him down then? Yeah. Yeah, I do. As best I can tell. Now, again, I haven't got every bit of fact, and I think you need every bit of detail to make those opinions. Hachi, you're asking me on this program when we have opinions. From what I've read, and I've read every word, I've made sure I've read every word, yep, I would have, at that very point in time, I would have stood him down as, as captain. I, I, I don't have um, a strong view on should he have actually been banned from playing, but I would have taken the captaincy role of him. Given, this is the backdrop to him being the replacement for the disgrace of Australian cricket with Sam Papergate. He was the way of the future. And, and the moment that happened with the person in the in the role of leader that you've made him and, and basically created, you've pitchforked him in not to just the team, but into the highest office in the land in the sporting sense on the back of his image and wanting it to be very starkly different to the previous image and you're then dealing with this as an organisation, that was the moment I think you need to reassess and and deal with the the fallout to that then, not as it was happening three years later. Now, I want your opinion because sometimes you ask me mine, I'll give you mine and you dance around yours. What would you have done? Well, there's some missing facts, right? No, no, no. no. What would you have done, Hutchie? What would you have done? Can I answer the question? There's, there's some missing facts. So a, as it reads now, there was a complaint laid. It was investigated and he was uh, cleared of I read cleared, cleared of, of the, the player's code. or yep. I mean, they can dance around on whatever they want to say, but, but he was exonerated from, from the code aspect of it and the behavioural aspect of it. Yeah, and I guess the inference is that... Which it, I don't have a problem with, if that's the way they investigate it. The inference is that it was highly inappropriate or but consensual until the point of the picture. That's the, I'm only just reading the inferences. Not I haven't read the actual complaint or the report, and then became unsolicited from the point of the picture, and that was the moment of offence. Is that how is that how I yeah, read? I it? think it's yeah. a fair snapshot of it. Obviously, it's deeper than that, but yeah, I think yep. that's a fair snapshot. So it's investigated and it comes back clear. Well, as probably as the leader, you're saying, well, you know, you obviously you, you recommended that it's it's clear. You're saying, well, how is it clear? Have we heard from have we heard from the subject? Have we heard her version of it? I think they had, at least in terms of well, the they, formal I, I, complaint there's aspect. There's too many missing it. missing pieces of that era for me in this. So, so what are you saying? Well, you are, are you saying you would have just game on, keep him in the role? You would have over you would have overruled the decision and said we're going to move ahead here because we're setting a new tone of culture. Yep. Or you would have said that investigation doesn't wash for me because you haven't actually got half of the story here. As, as I read it, maybe I read it, read it wrong. The subject was not interviewed at that time. Is that right? There was a, a representation of views, obviously, in a in a written form, which yep. was legal, the way I read it. They, they rolled So, the- so there, there is that side of it yep. in, in the investigation, yeah. And they clearly said, look, even though this investigation has cleared you, we're, we're not comfortable with that and we're, we're going to either overrule it and let you go or we're going to roll the dice, but if this becomes public, then it's over. And that's a that's the riskier path they took. But on what grounds are you making def- that decision? I'm not defending it. I'm okay, just saying okay, that's okay, what they let did. Let me get back, because once again, you haven't given me your opinion. In 2018, yep. when you made aware of it as the authority, I've just given you what, my opinion as to what I would have done. What would you have done? I don't know, because I don't... Hachi, you, you're allowed to have an opinion. I don't understand. I'd have certainly challenged the... Well, you know what they've done now. You know what they've done now, the yep. moments that's been made public. So l- let's deal with that. Well, they... They've s- made that decision now yeah. because it was made public, which I think is weak. Yeah. So, as I said to you, we would have done one of two things. You've either overruled the investigation. I know that, Hachi. It's either black or it's white. What, what is it in your or eyes? Or you'd have asked for more information. I don't understand how that investigation cleared him of wrongdoing. 
Like, can you? I don't. Oh, I don't either. I don't. I don't either. That's the missing piece for me. How yeah. can you explain that to me? Like, it's almost like. By saying that they're clear to wrongdoing, they're suggesting that there was more to it that hasn't become public. Yeah, there's an element of that. Yeah. Or you're left to think that. Yeah. 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 And so you'd be wanting more. If, and you'd certainly want to be hands-on as the CEO about it, wouldn't you, at the time? I would have thought so. So you yep. then got the, the new chairman, Richard Fraudenstein, who yep. then got on the media rounds the day after it had happened on the on the weekend. Um, the person who broke the story, Stephen Jewell from the Herald Sun. So that was Friday afternoon. It played out. And then Saturday, he's made comments. Now, a couple of them, Hutchie, I, I just, this is a quote. I am staying based on the facts as they are today. The Board of Cricket Australia would not have made that decision. I acknowledge the decision clearly sent the wrong message that this behaviour is acceptable and without serious consequences. Now, that's his quote on the weekend. This guy's been on the board since 2019, and he admitted in the same interview that he was informed of the pain situation, as he yeah. referred to it, the pain situation. So he's come on two years ago himself, was made aware of something. If he wants to refer to it as a situation, well, let's delve a bit deeper if you're now taking over the whole running of this this board and get to the bottom of it. So let's assume he knew the situation, and yet he's only been strong enough to make these comments on the day after a story has broken publicly where everyone's in on it. He wasn't strong enough to make that decision prior to that moment. What's that say about him? Yeah, their strength of leadership was was either not there at the time, or they had a, a slightly different version of events. Don't you think? Well, they're also panicking, Hutchie. They, they've just dealt with Sandpaper Gate. They, they've They've got a guy who had, had basically all but retired from first-class cricket and was yeah. not even going to be considered for, his, for a selection in his state team. They've got him into the Australian team, and they've made him captain. So, yeah, and so, so, the, and they're, they're presenting him as as the future, the Mister Nice, squeaky clean guy. So if, they didn't want to deal with another if, scandal. If he was just a player at the time and not the captain, which which he was at the time of the text, oh, he was a player and not the captain at the time. At the time of the at text, the time of the highly inappropriate, you know, indefensible text. If he was just a player in the Australian cricket team when the investigation happened, what would have happened? I think he gets um, rotated out of the team for the, the second or third test, and you never, never see or hear Probably. him again. Probably, yeah. yeah. So are you held to higher account? Should you be held to higher well, account as the Australian captain? D- or should you be held to the society y- expectations? Y- you are. You are. Yeah. You are. And we've, we've debated that yeah. a thousand times, that, that type of question on this show for, since duration. So, so But you are. So, so that, that's all established as fact. You are held for a higher account. I just feel the people around the situation, Archie, have let themselves down as much as Tim Payne. It's a very complicated. Of course, it is. But, but let's go back. You can't. You can't not go back to the moment in time when they're made aware of this. It's so the sandpaper gate is so fresh in their thinking. I'm Hachi. Yeah. That has clouded their view on this. Well, I think it's inconsistent with what they said they were going to be as a yep. place of respect. Yeah. From that from that point on, if they put their name to that, then they probably were inconsistent to it, unless they had a different version of events. Well, that's the other side of it, but which is which is hard to even comprehend from the outside because but they must it must be two different Hachi because they've now made these strong statements this weekend just gone saying that they would have acted very differently. So I don't know whether the diff- other side of the the story is going to be that different to what we think it is. Um, and well, I, I, so, so, I heard Jared Whateley summarise yesterday by saying, "No, no, I want your view. I don't want Jared's Hutchie. Disappointed I, yep. uh, in him and for him. And that was kind of. But I want, I want your view. Are you, are you disappointed in him and for him? Because you you employ him as well, Hutchie, Tim Payne. Yeah, I thought, as I said, I thought Jared 
captured it pretty well. I'm disappointed. No, I don't want Jared's view. I want your view. Oh, Damo. No, no, no. no Honestly, I give me I want, a headache. I want your view, Hachi. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to Jared. I thought that what Jared said captured how I was feeling pretty well. Disappointed in him and for him. So he does have an arrangement with SEN. Does that cease to exist now? Well, it, it finished about three or four weeks ago. He did a six or eight week run of Jack and Tim for breakfast in SEN Hobart, which finished around grand final time. We're always going to have the summer off. He's doing some phone calls in here now and then to to uh, stay active, and we're going to sit down post Ashes. So that that won't change in my mind. Like we'll sit down. So, at so the you, you will continue to employ Tim Payne, Damo. No, you're not listening. We had a six to eight week run of Jack and Tim for breakfast, which finished on Grand Final Eve. We had a we always had a break over the summer for four or five months, and we we're going to pick up the conversation post Ashes around January and February. And I would think that remains. And when you pick up the conversation, will you seek to reemploy? Don't know. We'll just work through things as as it changed your view on 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 having someone who's been through this publicly in the last 48, 72 hours on your platform? I haven't even sat down... Oh, you would have thought about it, Hutchie. ...with Tim and his agent, worked out what he wants to do, how it, okay. what happened. If he was... Okay, if the deal hadn't expired in terms of his role in the deal and if he was to appear on SEN next Saturday or next Friday, whenever the show yeah. was running, would, would you there's have no, allowed him to run? There's no point answering hypothetical questions. No, no, there is. There is. No point. There is. We, we, we talk hypothetically the whole time. This whole show is based on hypothesis, yeah. Hachi. So so what would you have done if, if, if the contract hadn't... I don't even want to get drawn in the hypothetical. We'll sit down at the end of the summer as we're always going to do. He, I've, what, would, what would Jared Waitley have said about that if I asked him that? I don't know, Damo. It's, well, well, it's, it's fairly been... raw. There's a, there's a lot of things. I, I think he's made a, a mistake. I think he's fundamentally at heart a good person. And I think there's so much I don't know or understand that I wouldn't mind understanding better before we worried about anything else. And how does he feel in it all? Yep. The the, the interview with the Herald Sun or the News Limited publications uh, with Hamish McLaughlin, that, that, that was done in world record yeah. time for, for such an event. So Friday afternoon, the story breaks publicly. By Sunday morning, which means the interview's done Saturday, both Tim Payne and, and wife Bonnie have sat down at great length and great context to the story with Hamish McLaughlin in in a in a double double page spread in in the Herald Sun. And I, you know, I made sure I read every word of it. Um, I don't think they could have been more open and honest and transparent in their answers. What did you make of that in that in that particular time frame and how that was done? Well, it, it, it's sad to read. Isn't it's very it? sad. Yeah. I, I was sad. And you yeah. couldn't, you can't, but not feel for the two women involved here. The subject who we don't who's nameless and yep. and Bonnie Tim's wife because both would be going through on different levels enormous hurt and pain yep. and if thoughts go to both of those um, unfair victims in both of this in the situation I, I thought it looked like they had been preparing for the day for a while so I read that this had been going around in media circles I, I hadn't heard never first I heard of it was when. Our producer emailed me saying, "This is online on the heraldsun.com.au." I hand on heart had not heard the yeah, I'd, I'd even the whisper of no. it. And so I know we had a couple of tweets saying, "Did you guys know about it?" I had zero idea. No, I didn't, and, and if you no. could have said to me, "Pick a hundred Australian oh. figures are in the middle of this," oh, such as you his could have said five hundred to me. Nature and character, you wouldn't have had him in the conversation for it to be uh, about him. So I was shocked at that. It looked like. They had been preparing for the day for several years and reverted to the existing plan for a couple of reasons. I don't know that to be true. One, it was it was pulled together quickly, that sit-down. And two, it's very rare, I think, just 
talking about the journalistic side of things yep. for a minute, which seems inconsequential. It's very rare for the paper that brings you down to mm. get the sit-down exclusive. Does he have a deal? I think he has a deal with them, doesn't he? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like Hamish, Hamish was the right person because his long-form interviews are always fair. He's very good at it and people trust him and – I think he's sympathetic and empathetic too, which which makes for a good interview. Yeah. So he was, and, he, and he asked all the. Oh, again, I'm not. He doesn't need me to say this about I, what he does, but he, he clearly asked every single question. He asked the question that had to be asked. He asked the, the yeah. awkward ones, you know. Um, and and it was handled, you know, pretty yeah. well in an awful situation. Yeah. So I thought that I thought no, it was I thought they both courageous to do it in that side of it. Um, presented incredibly well, Does given he, given the the rawness of it being public. But, and again, the, the rawness wasn't there from from them dealing with it, but from the public element of it, it was. It felt to me like this might be unfair, that it crossed their mind that if this ever comes public, what will we do? Well, we'll go and do a sit down with Hamish and we'll, it was, we'll tell, tell the story. As, as far as a media strategy goes, it was absolutely on the, the front foot, wasn't it? It was like to use the cricket analogy. I don't think they really, there, had, really had any choice. And well, they could have. They could have not done anything. Yeah, and it would be awfully hard for them both because they dealt with it with each other. Bear in mind, they, this is they, a, a matter between the two of them. Correct. Yep. And it was yeah, great to see what. So, yeah, I've been just I've been struggling with it a little bit, like everybody, just trying to understand the facts. Yep. Because as as they um, as they're table, they're indefensible. So. Mm. Yep. Hachi, let's head to the question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. We've got dozens of questions relating to the Tim Payne situation. We'll, we'll continue the Tim Payne topic through the question of the week for, for Drinkwise via Steve James, who posted this to us via Facebook. Reading the interview with, with the Paynes, if journalists have tried in years gone by to get the story out, what would have changed this time around? Has the journalist got someone to crack it, or has it been leaked on purpose by someone. It's an interesting question, Steve, behind the scenes as to how it goes on. Like Hutchie just mentioned only a few moments ago, I was unaware of the, the talk around this situation until Tim Payne himself mentioned, I think, in, in, in the Hamish McLaughlin interview that, that it wasn't the first time a media outlet had approached Tim or his camp, so to speak, about this particular issue. Um, your question, has a journalist got someone to crack or has it been leaked on purpose by someone? I, I wouldn't claim to know how Stephen Drill ended up uh, getting the information and then um, going with it. And there's two sides to that. You can have the information as much as you like. You've then still got to have, um, again, let's just remove the Tim Payne story, the, the courage to hit send on a story that, that's got, got massive ramifications, not just for the subject, but the people who, who present the story. So there's all of that in all of this. Um, Hutchie and I had a discussion a few moments ago about beat writers. Um, I'm not saying a beat writer wouldn't have written it, but maybe you wouldn't tackle it as hard. Again, I don't know any of that. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think this story ever comes from those that travel on the road with the team. Do you? Um, but that's also making judgments on on some of their journalistic pursuits. And, and there is the cricket it's not judgment, writers are as good as anyone. It's not what they set out to do. And you've, you've often admitted that's not, not your cup of tea. Well, there's an element of you can hear stuff. And, and again, I, my view, Hutchie, you, if once you hear something, you, you, you have to check it out. And the day you don't check it out is the day you should get out of the caper. And I'm, I'm massive on that. So provided it's, it's come from a good source, you'll check it out. And then you've got the other decision to make. Can, can you stand it up? And then you've always got the fallback position, well, hang on, do I actually go with this? And until you get all the information anyway, you, you don't have to get to that last point anyway. Yeah, um, make the decision after you Yeah, and, and we've discussed before, sometimes, again, remove Tim Payne from this, but sometimes you can get to that point and go, 
it's just not worth it anyway. It's just I can back it up, but where's it go? It destroys three people's lives, and and what's it mean anyway? So, look again. I'm not saying I would have done done that process, that exact process for this one, Steve. But that's how, uh, how that's how it would have got out. So, probably the fact that it was a non-beat rider um, is, is probably the key part to to this being made public. Now, tell me before we finish up for the day on series whatever episode whatever. Um, <laughs> The how was Arden Street on Friday morning? <laughs> no, I didn't go. No, Friday morning just gone. How was it? It was pretty good, wasn't it? No, no. How was it to be down there among all the significant historical? Oh, I was invited to go down. I had something on Hutchie. So <laughs> I did. Actually. Hang on a minute. So North Melbourne has gathered its entire history. Everyone from Peter de Rouse to the Scanlans to JB. We saw Brad Scott go back. We saw. The beautiful scenes of Danny Laidley and how well she handled things. It was it had all the history of North and you yep. didn't turn up, you had something on. I did, and I don't need to go into detail as to what that was, but it was a family related uh, you wonder why you're ostracized by that footy club and they I'm not ostracized. They they, they, uh, they invited me down, Hutchie. And you couldn't bring it to celebrate this milestone day of being debt free and you couldn't turn up. You couldn't you I, couldn't attend to be part I, of the that disappoints me. <laughs> and I'm sure it disappoints all of the sounding board family. Where were you? Are you on 22 weeks leave? Of course. That makes sense. So, so Jane, is that the little note you just gave Hutchie? 22 weeks. I've, uh, I'm now a week and a half into my 10 weeks, Hutchie, unlike the uh, the more than 10 weeks that you pay your employees. 22 weeks. Here. I get 10 weeks. I'm in a week and a half in. And I had something on with my mother. Something on. I, no, I, actually, I actually did, all right? So I don't need to go into it. Couldn't you have taken your mum? <laughs> like this was a, a monumental day, the club being debt-free. Oh, yeah. And they needed me, be, me to be there. <laughs> it was a day of celebration was, of the kangaroo history it, being debt-free, Damo. It was a, oh, yeah, big. <laughs> big At the start of 2012, the debt was $9 million and you were stopping them going to the Gold Coast. Hutchie, I helped save them. <laughs> That's the quote we're looking for. That's the grab. Just time code that for me. 47 minutes in and 20 seconds, Jane, into a series, whatever. The, We've done about 15 episodes of that topic. Were you thanked in the speech? <laughs> I, I really hope not, Shouldn't actually. Shouldn't there been like a, a, like a panel of washed-up journalists who could get up and talk about the old days as well? Oh, like we do every week on this show. Who else would have been on that, on that panel with you? Pult. Pult. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Ponner. I'm seeing Pult tonight, actually. I'm seeing Pult tonight. They got the reunion dinner. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Timsy? Timsy will be there. Yep. yep. Got McFarlane? Uh, I think so, yeah. He, he, he's a 50-50 operator, Glenn. He sometimes yeah. turns up, sometimes Tony doesn't. Tony DeBolfo? Yep. The Beast? Ron Reid? No, not Ron. No. No, he's, not, he's not part of that crew. <laughs> He's got his own crew. Uh, yeah. Special cheer out of Ron, if you're listening and just realised <laughs> you haven't been invited to the old writer's dinner. <laughs> Ron, still time next time. <laughs> Who else didn't you invite? No, no, it's not all about me. It's actually Timsy. If, if anyone didn't get invited, it's on Timsy's head, right? So, here we go. The old, imagine the stories on that. Where is it? The Phoenix? Uh, no, no. Why am I been, I'm an alumni. Why haven't I, why haven't I been no, invited? No, it's, it's a specific little... Michael Hoare in there? It's a specific little group within the Herald Sun. Trent Bouts? Trent Bouts. He was the beat writer before I was. Yep. <laughs> Hachi, that was... Senator Azira? Uh, he would be there, except he's not, I believe, in Australia anymore. Was he? I don't think so, no. No. He, he, he has... Wonderful football there. reporter he was. 1519. 
The sounding board for Drinkwise, that was episode 43, series 6. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.